Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. And we have a lot to check in on, and then we have some standard to talk about. First things first, Brian. Uh, Hi. Pa- Hi, Gerald. Hi, Brian. We have, a, we have a Patreon, Brian. Do we? Yeah, that you were supposed to say a little bit more there, oh, uh, other sorry. than just, you know, pure surprise. Sorry. But I, I am probably going to talk about this maybe every episode, maybe every every other episode. Just as much as I remember it, but very, very lightly. Just if if y'all want to support us, we do have a Patreon. That is a good way to go about things. Uh, we really appreciate it because it means that we get to continue doing this, which we do enjoy doing. So it would be nice to be able to keep doing that. And for the folks who are current patrons or even former patrons, uh, anyone who has graced us with their presence in the Discord and everything, we appreciate y'all a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome people who have let us do this for how, how many years have we been doing this now? I know you've, you've got some time, you've got like a year ahead of me arriving, but just you and I have a really long run at this point. It's got to be four or five years, right? Yeah. Were you, were you on uh, for Nashville? No, because Majors was still playing then. Yeah, that sounds correct. So it was, it was like 2017 or 2018 for you. I, th- I think it's 2017 because I wasn't living in Seattle yet. And I think I moved to Seattle in 2018. Yeah. So it is definitely over four years, probably five years. Uh, it's It's been a minute, dude. We've been Wild. doing it for a while. Wild. And shout outs to everyone who has supported us through all that and has let us do this all that time. It's kind of incredible if you think about it. I definitely agree. And I would like to keep doing it. So just plug in that real quick. Uh, other thing. Uh, it is getting very, very close to October 1st, October 2nd, which means the Legacy Pit event in Richmond. Again, October 1st, October 2nd, if you're in the area or if you just want to watch some coverage, there's going to be that on Twitch. I know, weird Magic Tournament coverage. Awesome. Uh, being streamed. Very, very strange times we live in, but that event is going to be cool. Also, the... I know that the Sunday event is now a destination event, so it is an RCQ, is also a cash event, but I, I don't actually know about the main event. I probably should have checked on that, but regardless, legacy main event, a bunch of side events for a bunch of different formats, including Modern 5K on Sunday, which is also an RCQ. Uh, it, it is going to be fun, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing some deck doctory type stuff on Saturday. Sunday is kind of undecided yet maybe I'll actually play now that it's an RCQ. I don't know. We'll see. That would be cool. Uh, turns out I'm not going to be able to make it. I know I talked about it last week. Uh, unfortunately, have other pressing matters I have to attend to. Um, but it's good to know there's coverage, and I can check in and, and see what's going on. And I hope to see you playing in the event. I think that would be cool. We'll see. I don't know. I can I can stomach playing the local stores at this point, or at least like hanging out in the local stores, you know, like 40-player yep. events. But yeah, cramped, cramped convention center. I mean, we'll see how cramped it is, right? Like if it's, if it's like the 2002, like you're basically stacking matches and players on top of each other. I'm not going to do that, but Mm -hmm. I believe that we'll have plenty of space and maybe it will be comfy enough for me to play. We'll see. Yeah. Also, you might be worn down. I mean, you got a, you got a big tournament you're attending this weekend as well. So, you know, all that tournament play (laughs) might just grind you to dust. Well, I was going to talk about that in in the sense of you are too big time to come visit me, but mm, correct, you yes. managed to trick me to visiting you in Charlotte for a flesh and blood tournament, which I don't even play. Yep. So 
Uh, I'm going to go down for a couple of days for the times. I realized that my friend Austin Yost is going, so it'll be nice to see him because I haven't seen him in a couple of years. So uh, other than that, I don't even know who I'm going to know that's there besides you, but you're going to be like behind the booth and everything. Your brother's playing, right? Yeah, he's playing, but he probably won't play long knowing him. So you can always <laughs> hang out with him. I don't know, and, man. We uh, went to SCG Con. He was he was going. He, he did crush than the rest he, of us. He, yeah, he crushed at basically every event at SCG Con. Right, finished second in a PTQ and did well in all the Flesh and Blood tournaments he played. So maybe he's going to crush this event as well. We'll see. I, I think there's going to be more people there, you know, than you expect. Now. Are there going to be people you're excited to see? I don't know. Yeah, but that's I, the difference. I do think there will be people there. And even in like, you know, a dealer capacity and just just people you know, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by how many folks you come in contact with. Is it just a lot of the magic vendors have picked up Fab? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, definitely some have. And then there's some like Fab only vendors doing their thing. So it, it's been interesting to see that evolve. And, you know, some are diving in harder than others. But certainly, I think a lot of the faces are the same. You know, it's kind of like a very unique skill set, right? And if you have it for one game, you probably have it for multiple games if you're willing to do the work. So, Dude, let me tell you, I just Googled Flesh and Blood Nationals, right? Yep. And it takes, because I was curious about the vendors and yep. who I would know because I'm friends with a lot of the vendors. I do like the vendors. And then it was also like, oh, well, maybe they'll also be buying magic cards and I can bring some cards to sell. Yeah, but I think you might be okay with that. It takes me to a website that is fabnationals.us, and it's mm. just front page, like all the info. This is awesome. Look, I'm I'm not going to say that Flesh and Blood has solved the internet thing. Like, there's definitely still aspects of our tournament locator, and you know, some things are a little bit hard to find on the website. But if you are coming from a magic space, you are going to be delighted with the ease of finding things on the website. It's just like night and day. Uh, How often are we like, when does this arena PTQ start? And then you have to click around through 10 pages. So yeah. it's it, it shouldn't be that hard, but yeah. it is. Uh, anyway, the vendors are two I've never heard of and then Strike Zone, who is whatever. So rats, man, you got my hopes up there, but that's okay. Yeah, it, it's possible that like, even though you've never heard of those vendors, there may be overlap. Like I've, I've seen a lot of familiar faces and you know, the vendors better than I do. So you'll be better equipped to judge that, but we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Anyway, if, if y'all want information about flesh and blood, us nationals, fabnationals.us, it's pretty hard to forget. It's good. Good URLing. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just crushing it. Okay. What else, man? I don't know. I'm having, I'm having like a good brain chemical day. Well, that's good. Know? Happy to hear that. Yeah, uh, went to visit Josh Cho last weekend, watch him go 1-2 in an arena PTQ. Uh, what a loser. What was your record, Brian? 2-2. Two and two. Oh, okay. So an entire an entire match better than Josh Cho. Was your deck completely unplayable? His no, was. no, my, my play was poor. My play was poor, my draws were poor, my deck was fine. I, I, I said it was a 5-win deck, I didn't get there. My heart wasn't in it, I think. Like I it was so gorgeous out on Saturday. And then like I queue up and I'm I'm kind of into it. Like I'm I'm excited. I like playing magic for stakes. Like that doesn't come up all that often for me. And it's fun when it does. So I'm pretty into it. And I log in and I open my deck and I, I build and it's it's pretty good. And I'm like, okay, you know, like I said, about probably about five wins, but I think I need to get a little lucky if we're actually gonna make day two. 
So I, I win my first game and I'm like, nice off to the races, one win. And then we go to sideboarding and I was like, what sideboarding? Ah, yeah. I didn't, ah. I didn't know. I didn't know we were playing best two out of three. So, you know, I had to change my deck a little bit between rounds for sure. And also very quickly lost interest. Cause I'm like, this is going to take all day. This is, this is a full day commitment now. Listen, man, you know that like the five round PTQs or whatever, you know, they're, those are best of three. Otherwise it has like, you know, seven to 10 rounds or something. But, but this this had seven, you had to get seven wins, right? No, I think it was five. Maybe that was just the. I I don't think that's right. I, I think you had to get seven wins in this day one. And at that point I was like, well, this is eight hours probably. And I like, I did the thing where I knew I had to get up and do the registration. So I did that. I, I passed that test. And then I was like, well, I'll wait a little bit. You know, I got plenty of time. Yeah. And I waited a couple hours. And then, I, then when I saw Best 2 out of 3, I'm like, I don't even know if I can actually finish this anymore. Like, I'm I'm pushing it. Yeah, man. You got to figure out, like, what tournament you're actually playing in. I mean, I know. I've, I've definitely done that before, too, where it's like, oh, yeah, it feels like we can lounge around. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this closes at 7 or whatever, and it's 5. Like, I got to... I got to hurry up with these last two matches. You know, it's like the best of three ones definitely do not mess around. You don't have a lot of time for them. No, you don't. You know, I'm not blaming anyone but myself. I mean, I guess if there was a website that was like arena tournament.us, I would have been better informed. Yes. But in this case, uh, I didn't really make a huge effort to seek out the information. I'm sure I could have find it, found it if I wanted to. Yeah. I don't know. That's too bad, I guess. But I think what I maybe would have done in your situation is like try and find a spot on your your porch or like you know whatever chair situation you had going on when you were sending me the cat pictures mm. and just like post up there maybe in the shade or maybe get like an umbrella or something with a laptop or just play on your phone or whatever try and do that so you can have best of both worlds you know yeah maybe maybe i should give that a shot i just like i can play on my phone or ipad if i'm pretty ingrained in the format and like comfortable still have to read a lot of cards in this format and you know yeah, it's, it's not fair. second I- nature so I think I'm overestimating the amount of familiarity I have compared to yours at this point. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. So, yeah, I've, I've just been playing on my phone again, which is fine. Okay. Well, yeah, there there was that. Got to visit Josh. Uh, he busted out, and then we went to this place that we went for one of the RCQs in Northern Virginia. It's called, it's called this is the name, is Hashtag Gaming Arena. Okay. And is it spelled out hashtag or is it a actual like number sign hashtag? Like in my mind, I I read it as the word, but mm. I actually don't know what they do for, you know, social media or their website okay. or whatever. I don't know. But on one hand, I think it's like kind of genius, but also it, I, I feel like it's kind of cringe, you know, but the place itself is very cool. And for whatever amount of, you know, trying to lean into not necessarily like esports or whatever, but just like twenty first century like gaming culture or whatever. It's like they they did it. It's just like all their all their chairs are basically like the nice Carnox chairs. They have mm-hmm. nice tables with like the good play mats on them. They have uh, like you know restaurants. Uh, I I think it's also a bar, but I could be wrong about that. I know that they have food and drinks, right? And yeah, just the area is nice. A lot of space. They have. Uh, old arcade machines up. They have uh, like feature match tables. They have uh, TVs on the wall for streaming. They, they stream a lot of Smash because they also host like Smash tournaments there oh, and cool. stuff. And 
They have like all the ultra pro wall scrolls for like the mystical archive cards on the wall. So like that looks cool. You know, like the place is nice. Look, I, I think, I think that's what LGSs are supposed to be now. They're supposed to be like destinations. They're supposed to be yeah. nice. The old cramped, like eight sweaty dudes in a basement. That's, that's not going to fly anymore. Nobody's looking for that. Like the, the audience has grown up. The audience has evolved, I think. And uh, if you're going to play a, pay a premium to, you know, interact with the store, which you often do these days. Like that's just how e-commerce works. And the fact that you can always get it cheaper online, you got to provide something. And I, I think it's just like a nice, comfortable space to play in. That's really the best thing a store can do. Oh, it's hard though, because the margins are so small. I know already. No, right? It's really tough. It's really so, tough. I feel yeah, for them. You have to, you have to really be confident that your stuff is going to work out. That's, that's why the best thing they can do is is actually like a bar. Like your margins yeah. on alcohol is so there's ridiculous. So like some of the best margins you could possibly get. That creates its own set of problems, of course. But it yeah. does. Yep, it does. It's anyway, tough world. It's tough to make these businesses these days. The world has changed so much in the past. Yeah. You know, just two years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, place place is cool. Drop by there because Josh was like, "Hey, maybe I'll just start up a magic collection." He's been playing a bunch. Rotation just happened, has been playing standard and everything. So he's like, I'm just going to buy some Dominaria. So bought some booster boxes, got like, you know, a little four row box for him to sort his cards in, uh, open some packs. Uh, I am just like the lifetime undisputed pack opening champion of the universe because my opens were just incredible. And then I had to give Josh all the cards because they were his cards. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean. And yeah, opening packs was fun. And we also went to some some random, I don't know, like weeb stores, I guess. Like Josh went to some place to, I don't know. There was, the, the reason we went there that day was because he said they had good strawberry lemonade. I don't think that the first time he went to this place was because they had <laughs> strawberry lemonade. He was out there hunting down strawberry lemonade. Yeah, but the weep store was right next to it. So it's like, all right, we go in there, walk around a little bit. Obviously, like all that stuff is pretty expensive because it's they're just doing like import stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but got a couple things still. And it's like, that was fun. Went to a Korean bakery and just overall had like a pretty nice day. Came back, hung out with some other friends. That was good gonna we're recording this at like 2 p.m on a wednesday because you're traveling on thursday and yep. then i'm gonna get like covid booster tonight you know it's, it's a party dude you're gonna get your superpowers nice hopefully man three shots in i don't have anything yet so yeah uh you have run very well this is now my i, I had my booster last week i will say anyone who's like on the fence don't be uh actually it's the by far the most mild of the boosters or any of the shots that I've had. Almost well, no side effects for me. So Listen, man, you know that that is not the same for every person. Also depends on what type of vaccine you're I understand, getting. but anecdotally, I've heard a lot of that. So okay. I've, I've heard people reporting very mild side effects from this go around. So. And, well, and regardless, it's still the right thing. Like you should still... Yes, I I agree. Like I don't, I don't care if it is worse. I'm still going to get it, you know? I mean, a- anecdotally... Uh, one of my friends got like a blister near his eye, which interesting. I don't know. It, it, it's like a weird situation where he used to he would like get a blister occasionally, like on his mouth right before he got sick or something, right? And I don't know. It's it's not like the the vaccine gave him eye blisters or whatever, but it was just like this thing <laughs> used to happen. I got the vaccine. Vaccines give eye blisters, right? And, and 
you know, I was trying to like deal with this vaccine, but I also had this stupid blister on my eye or whatever, you know, it's just like, oh, that does not sound like a fun time. But uh, vaccines have kind of like historically kicked his ass and his his partner is just always fine. She just always shrugs it off, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's just different for everyone. No, it is. It is. I, I was very thrilled though. Cause I mean, also I, I just had COVID, uh, you know, I, I missed the, the pro tour in France cause I had COVID. So I was only like almost exactly the window for my, my last positive test until I could get it. And I, that might have something to do with me having relatively minor symptoms. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, too much science, you know, it's just like what variant of COVID did you have? And is yep. it, Different yep. than what, yeah, they're vaccinating you for, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, I'm mostly past trying to uh, understand it and uh, just try and do what is what is best at this point. So Yeah, no, get, get your booster, uh, knocks you out for maybe a day, and then things are slightly less dangerous, I guess. So Maybe. <laughs> I don't think we even know that either. Allegedly, but, allegedly. Yeah. But whatever, you know, like what, like the risk reward yeah. is, is definitely there. So For sure. I trust the science mostly. I trust that these people certainly know their stuff better than I do. Yes. Uh, which is, I can't fathom a world in which that is not true because I don't know a lot. Uh, especially when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What else, man? Uh, visiting you in Charlotte. I don't know what days I'm going to come down, but yeah, I'm just going to pop in for a couple, say hi. It's, it's relatively close to me, so might as well. Yep, oh. got that going on. I'll I'll be doing the casting, of course, if you want to watch Dude, uh, on Twitch. Yeah, I I feel like I need to bring you stuff. Like the last time we got together, I don't know. Talk to me about this offline, maybe. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? Because I, we had the Patreon stuff, like the signed cards that I kept forgetting to give you, and I feel like this last time I probably forgot to give you something too. So I don't know. Yeah, I do think you forgot to give me signed cards, but I had some, and we mailed all that out. So if we no, we did. We fixed that. We fixed that for sure. Yeah, I can't think of anything you owe me specifically. Uh, you know, if you want to bring me boxes full of money from all of our Patreon success, I'll always accept those. Uh, I'll take them and add them to my vault under my my bat cave. Must be nice to have a, a vault in a bat cave, man. It's it's actually empty, but the vault's <sighs> nice. The vault is beautiful. Yeah, I just, yeah. Man, I can't get anything to put in it. I spent, spent- all of what I had on the vault. Yep. I, I mean, it's it's optimism, right? Right. Someday, like, well, I mean, someday I'll old. have something to yeah. keep in here. Any day now. Instead, you just let all the raccoons in there. Mm, that is a good usage for a vault, I guess. Just yeah. a huge raccoon party. Fill it. Not not like a lot of trash, but like a light layer of trash. Look, the only reason raccoons go for trash is because people don't give them other things. Like, give a raccoon a hot dog, you won't take your trash. That's my philosophy. So light layer of hot dogs in your vault right okay much better uh what else we we had to talk about one other thing i think oh crap um okay standard then oh we wanted to talk about infinity because you were really excited oh yep 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 yep. that was it okay so you made this tweet that was like oh like this made-up card and this made-up card and this made-up card, but, you know, whatever, at least it shouldn't be legal and popper or whatever. And I was just like, I don't know if these are, like, Warhammer cards or Infinity card or Flesh and Blood cards. I honestly, like, didn't know. And I was like, I'm going to check the comments, and it was just more of the same. It was, like, people just saying the same stuff. That is the joke. <laughs> that is, in fact, what I was going for. So what What were the actual names? Were they just completely made up? Completely made up. Yes, oh. they're completely made up. Dude, well done. Uh, well done. Thank you. Thank you. I think 
this was this was spurred by the the pauper bannings, which the the most common sentiment I heard about them. And poppers like it's kind of its own thing. Like I don't expect I, it to really permeate through. I didn't even see that there were pauper bannings. Okay, there were. The only oh. comments I saw on them were I don't know what any of these cards do. Four cards were banned, I believe, and every were single person. Gate cards. Yep, they were the Baldur's Gate Commander uh, initiative cards. I, I think they were only the initiative cards. And if you don't know what the initiative does, I was going to say I still I've I've seen some of those cards. I yep. don't know what initiative actually does. It's like an I don't actually know this. My understanding of it is is like an auto dungeon that works similarly to the monarch. So if you have initiative, you get to advance in a specific dungeon. Okay. I think. So okay, the the cards that are banned are a four mana one four flyer. Yeah. ETB initiative. Yep. A four mana O four defender ETB initiative. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tap to give a creature menace and haste until end of turn. A five mana five three menace ETB initiative, and the That's last the one, one right. the last one I can't wait. Four mana one five ETB initiative. Uh, when this becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller loses five life. So initiative must be busted because these cards are definitely not uh, no, played the, on rate. Dude, the the dungeon is messed up. There's there's a lava axe at like step two of the dungeon or something like that. Okay. So. Yeah, okay. it, it is a very, very silly, very silly dungeon. And I guess the state of Pauper was people were just playing Lotus Petal Dark Ritual to put those creatures into play oh on turn one. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was their plan. So I don't know if folks remember, we did an episode, I, th- I believe it was called The Keys to the Castle of Antris, where we talked about just every single format and what we would do with Bandless. And I am of the opinion that Pauper c- can't keep taking in all of these nonsense cards from these nonsense set and actually resemble anything that like people want to get from the format. Like I, but at the same time, I also don't know who popper is supposed to be for. I don't know if it's for anyone at this point. So it's just got like this horrible, horrible identity crisis. And these cards are just another example of like, here's an entire mechanic that they inserted into the format that just doesn't work. It doesn't work on power scale and it messes up everything so, so badly. And you know, there's people who really love this format and the format was just ruined for like three weeks and they, they acted quickly, which I'll give credit for. That's nice to see, but you could also just like not put all these stupid supplemental products into every single eternal format where I just don't think people want them there. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm just like cranky old man, but I really don't think people want them there. Back in the day when you would get like a true name nemesis, like once a year for legacy, granted true name nemesis was not the most fun or whatever, but when you would occasionally get something new dropped into your format after like years of stagnation, I thought that was cool. It was, but the whole context was different. There there were no modern exclusive sets. Like basically modern exclusive sets have now taken that role to fuel all these interesting cards that can actually hit legacy formats. And like, that's its own discussion, whether those should exist. But once they do, don't put the other supplemental shit in there. Like you have a way to get these interesting cards into the format now. And obviously Modern Horizons has done that in spades. It completely changed the legacy format. So uh, mission accomplished and you don't have to do it with cards that nobody knows. Like again, Insular Circle that is like kind of old school-ish competitive MTG. So I get why my people don't know these cards. That makes a lot of sense to me. But it's the only response I saw. It was just like, I don't I don't know what any of these cards do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I, I would ask the popper people what they want because I'm not them. And I think that we likely have wildly diverging 
goals and needs and wants. So I'm not going to speak to what they should or should not do with Popper or whatever. That's up for them to decide and argue for, you know? Yeah, it is. I get the feeling that like they want to engage with these niche communities to a point and understand what the players actually want, except on one vital thing. And that is, are you willing to buy these new cards from these new sets? Because that that's what they're doing. There's no room for debate. You're going to have a reason to buy these cards. And that's not, that's not up for discussion. So, you know, if that's the one thing you won't move on, that's a problem I see as unsolvable. Yeah. I mean, for Popper, it's less relevant. Maybe it's more relevant for... Uh, well, I guess like Popper for specifically like the Baldur's Gates sets or whatever. Anything that comes as a booster release, it's pretty easy to just like buy the singles. Maybe for, you know, any sort of secret lair or even the Commander Precons, maybe it's a little bit trickier to get the singles for that stuff, even if it's yep. a common. But yep. for sure. most I mean, common doesn't also- really mean anything in that spot, right? It's just it's still just limited print. Yeah, exactly. But Pop, most poppers also just played online. So yep. as long as they are distributing those cards effectively, which they didn't really with like the, the Minskin Boo Planeswalker took a while for like it to actually come out on Magic Online and legacy people want to play with it. And now it's like winning a bunch of stuff. So yep. like when, when they do come out with that stuff, like they, then they actually have to release it on Moto, uh, which sometimes they don't do, which can be pretty frustrating too. Agreed. Frustrating is how I would phrase it. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just going to stay out of it. Whatever happens, happens. Like I could put in my two cents and just be like, well, this seems silly. But I think that there are a lot of other people who are way more in it than I am, who are also voicing the same opinion. And, you know, they, they know more than me. So like, why, why does it matter if I add my voice to the chorus? Like if, if they want someone with with a platform and like, I don't know, some clout or whatever to to say stuff, then sure, fine. I'll, I'll happily do that, you know, but uh, it doesn't seem like they need me. So. It's a good way of looking at it. How about I get your opinion on something though that you are engaged with? You're you're headed to a legacy tournament next weekend, and I know you have affinity for the format. I know you would still play legacy. Were you given the opportunity to do so? Yeah. So these cards also are in legacy. Don't really matter there. You know, legacy has a higher bar to entry. But at any point, any one of these cards could matter, as we see with Minsk and Boo for sure, kind of doing a lot of work on the format. Also about to enter Legacy are a bunch of cards from Unfinity, which is the kind of sequel to the previous goofy sets we've had, Unhinged, Unglued. It's like the fourth on set, I think? I believe it's, I think it's Unhinged, Unglued was the first, Unhinged, Unstable, Unfinity, as I believe the order of these sets. Yeah. What is different this go around is that many of the cards in Unfinity are in fact legal in several formats, Commander, uh, Pauper, I think. I don't know. I, like As far as I can tell, the only stuff that's legal is like rares and mythics, but that may or may not be true, because why would I be able to keep track of any of those things? And then uh, Legacy is the one that is really interesting to me and really kind of... Again, frustrating is the only word I would use because I have such fondness for Legacy as like this showcase of the game's history. And granted, that has been more tenuous over the years. It's been harder and harder to do that as Modern Horizon stuff has happened, as these commander sets has happened. But still, you know, it's got its backbone of revised dual lands and 
you occasionally see weird things like a chains of Mephistopheles. And I, it's one of the things that drew me so much to legacy when I was first like finding my competitive footing. And now it's going to have a bunch of unstable cards, which may not do anything. They're probably not going to reshape the format, but they could, they definitely could. And we have space Jace, which is like the first planeswalker, blue, white planeswalker format of planeswalker. So right in the range of a card that could matter in legacy, this one seems not to you at first blush, but I don't know. Like there's going to be something eventually that is going to work its way into legacy. And so what cross, cross that bridge when you get there, or if someone wants to show up to FNM with meme space Jace deck, like that seems like a net positive to me. Uh, like, I don't buy it. We just, I mean, we just want something very different out of our legacy format. Well, I would like to have it be like pure and competitive or what, but like, that's not, I've, dude, I've been to Legacy Locals, man. Like, that is not how it works. When you say it's not how it works. People people show up with whatever they want, and they try and have fun with it, too. Like, they will build meme decks occasionally. I, I, I agree, you know? but how much of that is rooted in the past, and how much of it is rooted in... I mean, obviously, you've never had the option of it being rooted in... There's no reason it can't be both. There is no reason it can't be both. That's a fair statement. Like, it... If you're talking about Space Jace making, you know, three battlefields or whatever, is that frustrating and annoying? Yes, absolutely. But in small doses, I think that's okay. So, like, as long as the card is not, you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor plus three battlefields or whatever, then who cares? I mean, but they'll I, never I, stick to that. Like, this is the bio know, box thing all I over know again. What you're where, saying, like, the bio box didn't matter until, until they made Nexus of Fate. Right. And then it mattered a lot. Yes. And I, I know what you're saying, that like eventually it's going to be a problem. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, do you want to cut this off before it happens and like stop whatever amount of net fun would be had until then? Uh, I mean, I guess that's a way you could do it. I would just try to make sure that that stuff doesn't happen, but I know that that's also a tall order. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the solution is, man. I think that, you know, for the most part, just let people have fun if they want to try and have fun or whatever. The problem is, is when Space Jace is actually true name nemesis or whatever. And it's like, well, this sucks. And I, I don't know. Just at, at that point, uh, be more willing to ban things, I suppose. Like ba- back in true name world, I think that if something was that egregious, they probably would have banned it in today's standards, you know. But back then they didn't. And it was pretty miserable for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said. I, I agree with everything you're saying. What I'm voicing here is more frustration than like disbelief or anger. It's just like feeling like there's very few spaces that are tailored towards the way I want to engage with magic in magic as a whole anymore. It's just nothing to shape towards me. This this could be chicken or egg, but also like you're not engaging with magic a ton. So I I think it is I, I think it is me making decisions based on what is making me happy and the way magic is being shaped, not making me happy and using that to not engage a bunch. And yeah, chicken or egg is a good way of putting it, but I I am pretty confident that my frustration is what is keeping me away from the game more than I am away from the game. So I'm getting frustrated by these things. Well, I don't think you being away from the game means that you're getting frustrated. I just thought that you're not engaging at all. So like, why does it matter what they do? You know, like you're, you're complaining. Well, do they want me to engage? Like that, that's the question, right? Like, well, that, how, that's how, why it matters. How do they, how do they get you back? It's not by maintaining status quo and doing things the way that they've been doing. 
because you know at some point you stop playing like legacy on moto anyway so yeah they they can't get me back <laughs> and that's that's what it, like the ship has sailed that's what okay it is. so then you're probably not going to play legacy live or like travel around the country to play legacy so you're probably just out of legacy period because i don't see a great way to get you back into it unless they somehow like put it on arena and it's not terrible or something but even probably then, probably I, I like it would take off they have just gone so far down the road that like it's not that they can't it's that they won't there's no reason for them to do you know what i'm saying like i if they really wanted to get me back there's certainly steps they could do and i i would engage again but they're never ever going to do i'm just realistic about like the possibility of that happening well more what they, than i think it's what they possible. want to do is get you to spend money and if you're not going to spend money the other people who may enjoy Infinity or Baldur's Gate or Initiative or whatever are the ones who are going to do that, right? Yeah, they have to spend the money I'm not spending anymore. So they need to appeal to them even harder. It's like, right. it's a very snowball-y situation for sure. So we need some format that doesn't suck, that stays relatively interesting, that doesn't have fake stuff in it, that has some competitive aspect that has some amount of like notoriety or importance baked in yep. and ease of entry or like less barrier to entry or something. It's just like, I don't know, man, there's like standard pioneer modern. You might have issues with a lot of those formats or whatever, but that is kind of where it should be. It probably shouldn't be, you know, complaining about popper or, uh, maybe even legacy at this point. I mean, I, I do feel like legacy should be the thing that would appeal to us who have been playing the game for like 20 years, but you know, whatever. Yeah. That that's basically what I'm saying is like something for the, the old heads. It feels like the missing part of the puzzle and like, just, like a magic classic feels like a thing that should exist almost. Yeah. Certainly. yeah I mean, you, you put it like that with uh world of Warcraft doing yep. similar stuff. 30 year old game, even older than world of Warcraft. Like there's gotta be something that is meant to embrace that original experience. And, you know, I, I don't think it's only nostalgia based either. I don't think that's um, the only pull to something like that. People are going to point you to pre-modern or old school or whatever. Sure. And that's not a bad suggestion. Honestly, I, I think like, I think I am looking for something that will continue to expand over time. Like I don't, I'm not looking for something fixed. Yeah but it needs to be more rooted in the traditional magic spaces for me. Honestly, really Canadian like. Highlander was hitting that for me for a little bit, but yeah, that I, makes sense. I also sure. didn't have anyone to play with. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that's the huge part of this. There needs to be correct. like a community and like something to play for. All of that has to happen. Yeah. And a, a lot of the same stuff is true for like why I haven't played flesh and blood. Like if, if you were my roommate, for example, I, I would have learned how to play flesh and blood, right? Because it's like, you're here, you have the cards you want to play. Yes. At some point I would play with you. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm about as far removed from that as possible where I live by myself. I don't know anyone here. I certainly don't know anyone who plays fab, right? So there's, there's not an online client and a lot of these same things are true. <laughs> there's not an online client. <laughs> You want to you want to promote your your no. silly thing because no, it's, I, it's I not don't. good. I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh huh. There's not an online client, and the same is true for you know old school, pre modern, like all these things, right? So you you need to build it, and then people will come. And there has been some amount of community effort on that part to get those things going. And I certainly 
applaud that and I'm happy that that exists, but it is not enough because we also care about like stakes and importance or whatever, right? Because otherwise yeah. we would just cube draft or something, just find some way to play play casual magic. I mean, I, a lot of people have turned to Commander or CEDH or whatever at this point because there's not a whole lot of other offerings for us, right? But there needs to be there needs to be more to actually get people interested and involved and want to hold on to it long term, which is what competitive magic did. Right. Yeah, we have this discussion a lot. I you know, I I know we like kind of repeat it almost to death, but it's I do think like expressing displeasure is worthwhile. I think longing for something that really captures the essence of something you love is completely acceptable. Uh, and I also think it's completely acceptable to understand that's probably not going to happen and be more tempered about it and not get angry, just get frustrated. That's where I'm at these days. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's worth getting angry about it, but certainly voicing frustration occasionally is worthwhile and relevant, or at least, you know, making snarky tweets and getting some likes and good brain chemicals and uh, e-hugs, as I guess Tommy Ashton puts it, which I think is great. Love the e-hugs. But at some point, you're just kind of like shouting into the void and repeating the same stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we all feel this way. Like, is there any point to like continue mm. hashing it out no, and bringing no, it up? That's, and that's like, fair. I mean, I, I do think Lair is like a, a bridge for everyone, right? And I will say that some people who very much seem like on board with the universe beyond stuff are not as on board with Unfinity stuff entering things like Legacy. But, you know, everyone's going to have their own line and it's, it's probably pretty arbitrary where you set yours and mine's maybe a little higher than most. Yeah, we all have our metrics or whatever for what we would consider a real magic card to be. Like, oh, this is a card that has a place in Legacy because it is a magic card. And having like a Frodo card is pushing it, I think, for a lot of people. And then having cards like Space Jace or, you know, things that do a bunch of like rolling dice and what, you know, it's like those feel less like magic cards, right? Like those are pretty clearly more fake compared to what a normal magic card looks like. And I understand people being more likely to push back on that stuff. And I think that's fine. I just assume that a lot of that stuff is not meant to hit in Legacy and... If it does, they will address it kind of similarly how they addressed initiative in Popper. And look, yeah, Popper got messed up for a few weeks and that sucks. But, you know, it's just cost of doing business. Yep. Doing a lot of business. Cost a lot of business. A lot, a lot of, of initiatives. Business. A lot of love axes, I heard. So yep. anyway, can we talk about standard, man? Yeah, I would like to talk about standard. Uh, I believe in things going on in standard. Okay, there are things. Um, I think they're interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, like it's not complete reshape of the format but i think there is some yes. evolution happening there is definitely and i'm just not going to try and sell people that it's interesting enough for you to want to pay attention however i will note that i believe the next arena ptq is standard so good time to get into it post rotation your dominaria cards will be legal for like two years right so yeah, that's that's all well and good Black seems to be pretty overpowered. So if you invest wild cards into some black cards, those are probably going to be around for a while. So, you know, it's a good time to get into it. I briefly looked at the RCQ schedule and did not see many 
standard RCQs near me, but also they're not all up yet or anything. And then yeah. I don't know, even at the gaming arena place we went to talking to the people, just like, you know, do you have your uh, store schedule yet? And they're just like, ha, no. Uh, right. And it's like, oh, it's, that's like a week and a half away. So mm. kind of awkward, but it is what it is. There, so there, there are reasons to get into it potentially, but it also doesn't seem like standard is having its full on comeback. So tread carefully, you know, maybe you want to use those dollars or those wild cards on something else or uh, invest into Moto to continue playing Pioneer or Modern or, uh, you know, Initiative Free Popper or whatever you want to do. But uh, we started from a place where black was the best color by far. Uh, there, it was, you know, nine of the top 10 most winningest decks and like third or 12 of like the top 15 most winningest decks. Now there's a little bit of diversity, both in the black decks, but also in the other stuff that you can do in the format. So you are correct that things are happening. The format is getting reshaped. Liliana the Veil, for example, often doesn't show up in a lot of deck lists anymore because people have kind of adapted to it. Wild. I, I would have expected more time for that card. That's all I'll say. And I think it'll come back around. It, it will, will never be absent. But uh, I would have expected it to take longer for it to be forced out. Part of the reason is that folks are branching off into three colors. So casting yeah. like a 1BB card is a little bit more difficult when you're also trying to cast like Corpse Appraiser or Riveteer's Charm or whatever. So that also makes sense. But the the non-black decks specifically also have a lot of things that are just making tokens. Like Wedding Invitation is certainly a big one. Mm -hmm. But then there are some of the other decks that have uh, the Raise the Alarm, like Resolute Reinforcements or whatever it's called. So Yeah, I think everyone has an option at least to account for Liliana, be it haste creatures or, you know, just things that are a little bit stickier up and down. Nobody's not accounting for the card. So, right. So, uh, Josh got, got his case. He, he got a stock. We bought some standard cards. I hope that standard becomes relevant because I'm interested in playing the stuff that I was building when I was at his place last weekend was like trying to figure out what I guess was incidentally good against the black decks. And I, I started playing like some espers or working on a, a couple different Jun decks. And now uh, it looks like people have figured out like a good Jund recipe that has worked. I played with it a little bit and can confirm that like the deck does feel pretty good. And then other than that, there's still like some big score sanctuary warden type of industry stuff. I want to try out which yep. other people have been doing too. So I do think that there are, there, there's not a ton of stuff you can do. But as far as like aggro, mid-range, control type of stuff, like all of this is present. Yeah, it's it's creeping in. Uh, I think your perception of Jund is spot on. I think those decks are starting to find their footing, which is interesting considering we saw last week, I, I think the trend was towards counter magic for the most part. Yeah, and a lot so of mage disappears and negates. Yeah, so it's interesting to see Jund sort of take its place in that world because usually you expect them to suffer a little bit when they are the black deck without access to counter magic, but they're just sort of like sticky and annoying and everything they cast will win the game. So if that's the case, something's going to get through eventually. And it's not like these decks have, you know, 24 counter spells. They are playing spot counter spells to pick off key things. But if everything's key, then what are you going to pick off? Yeah. So th there were uh, a couple standard challenges last weekend, as there are, you know, every weekend. Uh, this one was on 
September 18th, what was posted on the 19th. So if you go looking, uh, I think that's the the one. And for Magic Online stuff, you can go to mtgo.com and then scroll down a little bit and just click on deck list and just like all the Magic Online results show up. And you should probably have that bookmarked if you don't already. But uh, the standard challenge first place was Grixis Midrange. And this one is kind of interesting because Kind of like you mentioned, they moved away from counterspells entirely. Uh, there are also three Airtie Resurrected and three Shieldred the Apocalypse, so a lot of four drops, whereas yeah. before you weren't seeing like a ton of them. And then this one also doesn't have any fives, instead just playing like a bunch of fours. Uh, 26 land, which is good. It is certainly better than 25 because you do want to make every single land drop. But I, I definitely remember playing these Grixis decks and being like, oh, I want, I kind of want a 27th, you know, but that was also when I had, you know, three Evelyn's in my deck. So maybe, yeah. maybe it's a little bit lighter now, a little bit leaner. Uh, I could see that. I mean, this deck doesn't have a ton of velocity, right? Like it, it doesn't have a lot of ways to convert mana into cards. Well, Bankbuster, Fable, Underdog, Corpse Appraiser. I feel that actually feels on the low end for the, like, sure. the way standard decks look now. I, I, I get it. I also feel the same way. Basically, I always want to add a land to everything. But I, I understand why there is some hesitance here. And just like you kind of need your stuff to get the job done. So well, it is very interesting to see four drops unlocked again. And I, I think a lot of that has to do, I mean, I guess Shieldred has been here the whole time. But a lot of it has to do with Liliana being less prevalent. And you don't have to worry about like, oh, here's my four drop onto an empty battlefield. And it just gets blown up right away. Yeah, I mean, Airtie is a pretty good four to have against Liliana, both because sure. of Flash, yeah, Flash and is always the fact good. that it just like, kills it and, or counters it or whatever. So yeah. Airtie has been solid. I think I, I do think three is a lot, but uh, it is a fairly clean answer to Shieldred, and you see uh, a lot of the a lot of folks just configuring their decks a little bit better. Like this one has Rona's Vortex, Fires of Victory, Soul yeah, Transfer. Yeah, Rona's Vortex is a cool ad. I, I like seeing that pop up. I don't, I don't like it very much, but I, I do get it. I mean, as far as four amount of removal spells go, this is a very, very good one, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think and, like and the, it's got the versatility of also being a one matter removal spell. I think that's exactly what you want in these type of decks. I think unsummon your shieldred is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. I would be way, way happier with this if you could also like bounce your own corpse appraiser, you know? Okay, sure. So that's all. It's just... A little bit clunky, maybe not as versatile as I'd like, but I mean, for one mana, uh, it's it's hard to do better. Yeah, especially when there's just like not a lot of competition in the the cheap spell slot right now, so it's just nice to get more ones into your deck. Yeah. Uh, second place is Jund, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually talk about this uh, specifically and go through this because you say Jund, and it's like it's hard to picture exactly what you mean, right? Because yeah, be, yeah. Could be like Soul of Windgrace, could be Titan of Industry, Cruelty of Gix, stuff like that. Uh, so this is from Gul'dakot. Uh, again, 26 land, 12 creatures, uh, 4 Blood Tithe Harvester, 4 Briar Bridge Tracker, 4 Workshop Love War Chief. I've seen that card back, by the way. I'm on the fence, but I like. I do one, like one the card. Yeah. I do like the card. It's You would normally expect to see Graveyard Trespasser, right? Yeah, and I would be very happy with Briar Bridge Tracker instead, but I am a Graveyard yeah. Trespasser hater. Yep. Always have been, so nothing changing there. 14 spells that are basically just removal spells. Four Unleash the Inferno. A lot of people playing like Bank Busters and Fables and Meat Hook Massacres and stuff. So this Unleash actually cleans up like a ton of stuff. And 
is mana neutral with Shieldred, but then like maybe also kills their their Bankbuster too. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a big swing. Four Riveteer's Charm, good way to grind. Also, good answer to Shieldred. Uh, two Infernal Grass, two Flame Bless Bolt, two Cut Down. A lot of the time, you see these three color decks, and they're like, "Well, I'm trying to play like a Triome or uh, like a Haunted Ridge on turn one or whatever." So like the one mana removal is not that good. Maybe I'll just stick with the more expensive stuff. But I do like the fact that you have the cheap removal to enable double spell turns a lot more like effectively and early flame bless bolt for opposing underdogs is pretty nice deck also has two bank buster two meat hook massacre four fables so not not going super huge or anything and i think a lot of the power uh this is the list that i w- have been playing by the way is like the the unleashes the rift here charms the workshop war chiefs just allowing you to grind so well it's interesting how small the green portion of this deck is like it, it's just the the charm unleash the inferno and then the two creatures briar bridge tracker and workshop war chief yeah and which is which is kind of why i was weirded out by the trackers but when you're splashing war chief you're almost certainly going to have the mana for tracker anyway right 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 and it just goes to show like how adaptable this core is this this red black core and how many different things you can slot into it very easily yeah, the thing I don't necessarily like about this deck is eight pain lands. I feel like that's so much, especially with like Unleash and Charm. And I had turns where I would have like Charm and Blood Tithe Harvester to cast, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I get it. I also want my mana untapped. And if you're expecting to play against aggro and you want to be able to like cut down and flame bless bolt on turn one, it makes complete sense. But I, I feel like there's a happier medium place where like, for example, the Grixis deck above, I think, has six pain lands. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that trimming down a little bit. I mean, I guess you do have the life gain of Workshop War Chief as some of an offset. It's interesting you mentioned aggro decks because I think, like, mostly didn't have to worry about that thus far in these standard challenges. Although, one of the reasons this challenge is so interesting is because that changes over the course of this challenge. So. Third place, we have a Gruul deck with. Some thundering Raijus, so doing a little bit of uh, modifying things. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is basically 36 creatures in 24 lands, right? Because Kamado yep. faces Kakazan is basically a creature. Yep. Uh, Maya Iconoclast is 1G, 3-2, Trample, Kicker R. When this enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, it gets plus one, plus one in haste until end of turn. So not quite as good as like a Gruul Spellbreaker. Or whatever. Pretty damn good though. I mean, try and play Liliana into that, and I think it's gonna get blown up. A yeah, lot, like so. the 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 trample haste is certainly nice at killing planeswalkers, but you you get the the mode of being able to play this as a two mana three two trampler. So like, I don't know, maybe this is just better. But uh, four copies of Squeed Dubious Monarch, pretty good against Liliana, Aquarian uh, Beast Caller, Phoenix Chick, Lanaworth Loam Speaker, Ascendant Pack Leader, which is kind of weird because you generally don't have like a ton of fours in these decks, yeah, uh, but this one to get there. Yeah. This one has Raiju and Halana and Elena. Yep. So uh, like pack leader might actually just get, get some counters incidentally, you know? So you have like the one drops to start. You have a little bit of ramping. You have a bunch of fours. You have some staying power with like squee and stuff. Uh, What's pretty solid. I agree. I, I, you know, it's very linear, but as far as a way to challenge all these decks, which are, mostly cheating and not having to worry about things like this yeah just play your creatures there's no there's no like real sweeper short of meat hook massacre in the format so if you get your sizing right you can potentially outscale but even then you're like you're just sticky like you have very good recursiveness in the form of like phoenix chick and 
getting extra cards by virtue of Kamado faces Kakazan. And I, I think like as far as a 36 creature deck goes, your your plans are actually pretty good here. Yeah. Also get to play Bouncer's Beatdown, which like it's it's hard <laughs> to play that card, but when you get to, it's like, well, okay. I, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you get a thing big enough, that is maybe one of the cleanest answers to Shieldred, right? But yeah, one mana, just blow it up. For for the main deck, there are no direct answers. It's just you're trying to make things bigger or like fly over or whatever. And that's kind of awkward because it has death touch, but it's still probably fine. Yeah, I think you just like jam something kind of irrelevant into it, buffed up by Hannah and Elena, and then you end up in a pretty good spot. Yep. Uh, And then in fourth place, we have... uh, Bant deck from Hogpog98. Uh, Aria, she streams a lot and is very, 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 very good. So um, probably can find some VODs of this deck, I would assume. But like this is uh, Bant Storm the Festival deck. Love this deck. Super interesting. Again, 26 lands. Love it. Uh, but you can Storm the Festival into Grafted Identity, which is uh, control magic, but additional cost. You have to sack a creature to cast it. And yep. then the enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. But if you storm the festival into it, it's completely fine. Teachings of the Kirin, which I, I actually don't even remember what this does. Like it mills yourself. You make a one, one, put a counter on a thing. You exile it and return to the battlefield transformed as a one, one. What's the backside actually do though? Uh, the backside is when it attacks, you exile a target creature from a graveyard and you make a spirit. And then yeah. exile a non-creature card, plus one, plus one, counter on a target creature you control. So hmm. kind of like smallish effects, but when you get all the pieces of this card together, it, it's again, like when we saw these sagas, the first thing we said, these are a lot of cardboard in, in one small yeah. package. And this deck really benefits from that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess it is a decent engine for like welcoming vampire and if you're just casting grafted mm-hmm. identity but yeah I, I don't know i think if i were just building this deck i would probably play like the the white the spell one three or whatever you know so okay. I'm, yeah i would have to see this card in action i think it's interesting yeah like i said a lot of cardboard the synergies with your tokens are are pretty good welcoming vampire is a good call out where you get to draw a card uh so the, the timing works out in that scenario. So uh, because when you, when you transform, you do actually enter the battlefield with the new creature, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, it with welcoming vampire is a good combo for the ramping creatures, some root coil creepers, which are good going super long with like storm. The love, festival. love this card. I've always loved this card. I think yeah, it's so, so good. Yep. Uh, Katilda, which works pretty well with wedding announcement. I think I said wedding invitation earlier, but yeah, wedding announcement, uh, some, I think I use the two interchangeably, actually. We're I do, Actually, too. two different cards, so I that's do not too. good. Yeah. I'm always talking about the good one, though. Whatever the yeah. bad one is, I'm not talking about that. But it does see some play. That's the problem. Like, I occasionally see wedding invitations in lists, so. Nah, you probably just misread it. No, I, I promise I saw one last week, and I had to, like, double check. I don't know which list it was. I, I'll have to go back and find it. All right. Uh, a couple couple Denix, random lifelinker that is good if you're pumping it uh disturb i guess takes advantage of teachings of kieran and then shuts off graveyard trespasser i I suppose or like the cruelty of gix type of things reanimating stuff but yeah fine body i mean there's there's some reanimation floating around i don't think that's really what it's about here but uh you know just way to get a nice body into play yeah 
bunch of emperors, a couple of Ren and Sevens, and an Al the Dawn Sky. I like I like the White Dragon. Yeah, it's showing up in more places these days. Really cool rejuvenation of a lot of older cards that I think are kind of being slept on. You know, Welcoming Vampire was one that you were very, very high on at release. Understandably so. I think the yeah, card is very I, good. I didn't think that it was necessarily going to be great off the bat, but it's just like, this is such a good tool to have access to. Yeah, great engine. And finally seeing it come together. And this this deck looks promising to me. Like, as far as output, I, I believe this is on par with the black decks. I don't see anything that is like a fundamental flaw of this deck. It can go very large. Uh, in post-board games, you have a lot of really good options for whatever your opponent is doing. I love the three disdainful strokes. Uh, Destroy Evil. We mentioned Clean Answers to Shouldred. So that's a completely fine one. Plenty of enchantments running around. So I... As, as far as decks that make me want to pick up standard and play, this is very high on the list. Like, this is exactly what I'd like to be doing. Yeah, and if everyone's doing mid-range stuff, we talked about how the best way to beat them is to find a thing that goes, like, slightly bigger than them, and I, I think this is it. And Grafted Identity, uh, especially with Storm of the Festival, I think is an awesome place to start. Yeah, I was playing that quite a lot in, like, early versions of Storm of the Festival I was building, and it, it was just great. I mean, like, even when you play it fair, it's still a very, very powerful card. Yeah. Uh, fifth place, another Jun deck. This one slightly different. Uh, only two Unleash the Infernos, Voltage Surge in the one mana removal slot. Still has some Shieldreds in here. Only 25 land. Hate it. Yeah, Graveyard Trespasser too. So this deck managed to anger both of us in one pass. <laughs> uh, sixth place, Mono Black. One thing I will say playing Jund against Mono Black was that I could still pretty easily get burned out with like Invoke the Despairs, uh, mm-hmm. Shieldred stuck around for a little bit too long, you know, Trespasser hits you, Underdog keeps coming back. Like, they have like meat hooks too. So, yeah, they've got good reach for sure for a mono black deck anyway. Right. So you're like, oh yeah, the, the War Chief gains you like three life. And I was just thinking, from my experience, that's not a lot. I kind of I want some more, you know? Yeah. No, uh, I feel but, that. I, I think the mono black deck is cool and it has a unique, like, Obviously, it's very easy to splash in this format. Like, you don't get punished all that much. But I do think the mono black deck has a unique angle that gets to play. And it's exactly what you're describing. Just, like, a little bit more annoying reach than you would expect. Yep. Uh, This one has four Field of Ruin. I don't really like that. Roadside Reliquary is actually pretty solid. Mm -hmm. I I would just play a couple of those instead. I've seen a lot of people advocate that change. Yeah, there's not a lot of stuff that you want to field. with, With more three color decks showing up, I think that... Yes, in theory, you can maybe take them off a color or something, but it's just not really worth it. The Reliquary is so much better. I agree with you right now. I think at some point, maybe we'll find deck lists that are so greedy that you just get a freebie from Field of Ruin, and that's when I'd look to make the switch back to it. But uh, we're not there right now. So, Seventh place, we have an Esper list. And the Esper lists have not quite figured out what they want to be doing. Uh, definitely kind see- of all over the place. Yeah, I definitely see a lot of differences, uh, specifically in the two-drop slot and the four-drop slot. So this one has uh, some Denix, a random Jadar, a Malevolent Hermit. Uh, this is on top of Tenacious Underdog, of course. And we've seen like the 2-3 Lifelink Gravedigger. I think that card's solid. I think Denic just in, in general is pretty solid. Uh, and then for four-drops, Obscura Interceptor, which I do like, but it's like you have... You have Shieldred, you have Airtai, and you already have Wandering Emperor, and I th- think there was another, uh, uh, Sarah Paragon, like that's another solid one. Maybe not yeah. exactly a four drop, but like, you have a you have a ton of options. And my experience 
was that I liked the Gravedigger a decent amount, but like four felt like too much. So I could see mixing that with, I don't know, I like Malevolent Hermit. I could see that. The card seems solid. Maybe yeah. play like three and a Denic or something. But for four drops, I think Shieldred in this deck with Rafine is just like a little too good. Uh, so I, I find it hard to believe that you shouldn't be playing Shieldred in this deck. I like when people <laughs> don't play Shieldred because I start to feel a little bit more sane. But like I said, I'm convinced I'm the idiot at this point. So don't listen to me. You probably should be playing Shieldred. Well, listen, if, if Shieldred had Hexproof, you'd be like, oh, that card's pretty good. True. That, right? that is accurate. And you're looking at a lot of decks that don't have a lot of ways to kill it. So that's kind of what it is. Like the those cards fail our test, like our ETB doesn't do anything test when when they don't die, or when they do die immediately. Yeah, but when there's a lot of things that remove it. At this it point, just just punish them. Like the, I like know, the, but people the are still that not excite doing me, that. I know the decks that excite me do a good job of it. Like they just they just account for these things. Like you know, grafted identity, your shoulder, it is a very good way to punish them, especially yes. when they're not playing entry. They're, they're not playing enough removal to actually answer their shoulder. So right. exactly. I would just be doing something that punished the people playing shoulder as opposed to being the one playing shoulder. But you're right. People aren't doing that at a large enough scale. So the other way to get around that is by having something on board that allows you to take advantage of it immediately. So like play shieldred attack with Rafine is a way to make it so that even if your shielder dies, like you still got some value, you still got something out of it. And Rafine, especially, you know, granted this is more of like, you know, a turn six situation or whatever, but when you're attacking with more than one creature and like getting multiple shielder triggers, it's, it just puts you out of range. You know, you have infinite time then. Yeah. Just, you know, sharing some bad beat stories, which obviously no one likes, my my first loss in the arena event was my opponent played Children and I had the removal spell. And I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I gained so much tempo from this. Two life, no big deal. And they had the dive down for my removal spell. And I was just like, flip my keyboard over and outraged. Yeah, buddy. I'll do it. Oh, man. Your opponent sounds like a genius, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Great move. Uh, thing I will note, though, this Esper deck, 27 land. Hell yeah. Yeah. Get those lands in there. Next Esper deck, 27 lands as well. It looks very similar, actually. One, one last point. So when, when I was building these Esper decks and playing with them, trying to figure out, you know, what two drops, what four drops, etc. cetera, uh, Wandering Emperor, pretty big disappointment. Interesting. I don't want to go too hard down the, like, you should be cutting this from your deck's train or whatever, yeah, but yeah. we used to be pretty set on playing three or four or whatever. Now I'm like, I don't know, two seems completely fine to me, if that. That is interesting, and uh, I have some good news for you before I move you on to the next deck. It is the exact same seventy-five cards. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, settled settled on this list apparently, and a nice performance from the twenty-seven land Esper deck two times. We got to talk about ninth place deck too. Okay, let's do it. This has to make you happy, right? You're looking. At oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, like this is this is okay. something that looked very viable to me as we were going through the the uh, previews and. Just has a lot of my favorite cards in it, so I'm I'm here for it. All right, it starts with four copies of Swiftwater Cliffs, which is the is it Coastal Tower that gain a life. ETBs tapped. You gain a life. Got to do what you got to do. I've 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 been there. Where where was the format where we were playing like a Bloodfell Caves or whatever? Because like the mana was just that bad. Uh, that was like the I think what, that was like a Ragnar format, format, right? It was what? Wasn't it the Red Black Aggro format? I feel I, like it was an arena format. I think that was that was just like a guild gate. Like 
It was even maybe. worse. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, these these are not bad. I've seen them show up in some deck lists. There are some that show up in the the red black decks because they're very lightly splashing red for like Blood Tithe Harvester and Fable and not much else. And then you're they're still trying to cast Liliana on three or mm. cast Invoke Despair or whatever. So sometimes you just need more lands that are actual dual lands, you know. But uh, is it deck twenty five lands, uh, four Fable, two Bankbuster, nothing too shocking there. Creatures four Aether Channeler. Two Leer, two Leer Disciple of the Drowned, one Holebreaker Horror, okay? And uh, a couple Temporal Firestorms as your Burn Down the House upgrade. And then just some of the, the best spells ever, right? Like Flame Blessed Bolt, Fires of Victory, Fading Hope, Make Disappear, two Negates, two Memory Deluge, four Consider, one Abrade. I think I would maybe build this deck a little bit differently, but I do kind of love it. What... What do you feel is missing from this deck? Because I wonder if you're going to have the same answer as I have. I'm really missing one copy of Celestis. I, so all I want is just like a single hard reload. And it could be the, even like the, the X spell. Oh you no, play you want at. the brain geyser. I, I think that's fine. I think that's all you need here. Because you're, you're just looking to trade, 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 stabilize. You have like ether channeler to build tempo and you're just like, Making your land drops, moving on. A lot of times, all you're going to need is Hellbreaker Horror to lock the game from there. But having like one more insurance policy is exactly what I'm looking for. Although I think Celestis is a fine My, uh, inclusion as well. Well, you're right that sometimes you just need more pieces of cardboard. And I was definitely playing with a copy or two of uh, Thirst for Discovery in my Leer decks. Okay, that's fine, yeah. And I think that that's okay, but also... When you're talking about like, oh, I just need a thing that gives me access to a bunch of resources, I would just play a third Leer at that point. Maybe. Maybe that's right. Because like, you know, what's what's better? Like Leer with a mana open for Fading Hope, which granted this deck only has two Fading Hopes. Like if you're going harder on Leer, maybe you want a third Fading Hope. But, you know, would you rather like draw four cards or like play Leer with a Fading Hope open? I Usually it's Fading Hope, but... Yeah, especially in a non-aggressive format. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe like... In this format, I think I agree that third layer could be better. Abstractly, it feels like that is a missing piece, but maybe it's just not necessary. Maybe that's not how the games play out. Yeah, I mean, you also... I love the flexibility of that card, though. I, th I think it's quite good. Like, they're just like the five mana draw three as a, f a flash threat. Sure. Or you get to the late game and hard reload. I, th I think that card is better than it's getting credit for. I mean, you have Deluge, too. Plus, this deck has, like, Fable, Bankbuster, which were things that... I think we're not out when we were doing Lear stuff. Correct. Right. So you have like a little bit more filtering. You yeah. have the ether channelers too, for like a little bit more of like hard advantage stuff. The, the cool thing to me about this deck is that they incorporate bank buster fable, which is like the best set of early game tool. Like these are your brainstorms for standard, right? Yep. And basically every mid range deck is, is, doing that if they have access to red mana. If not, they're certainly playing Bankbuster. Uh, but this deck has Aether Channeler, which oddly is maybe going to make the 1-1 more than I would have thought because those two together accrue the Bankbuster, but also okay, the, yeah. the Channeler and to an extent like the 1-1 protect your Leer from Liliana and stuff. Mm -hmm. So the Channelers looked kind of weird to me, but then it's just like, oh, well, there's Bankbuster. You protect Leer from Lily. Card is also just, you know, fine by itself. Like, extra bodies for Make Disappear. I mean, this this deck is so well-built. I just love it. No, I agree. It's it's impressive. 
and it's one of the reasons why I thought Standard was worth talking about this week. I think it has just the right amount of innovation in this tournament to sort of renew my hope for a really interesting Standard format. And, you know, we're going to see if any of these newer archetypes pick up in popularity, if there is a resurgence of aggro in gruel form, uh, if these weird... Is it tempo decks can start to put some W's on the board? All potentially really exciting developments. So a couple of the random things. In 16th place, there's an ominous roost, otherworldly yeah, gaze, uh, disturb Rafine deck, which is cool as hell. If you don't know what those cards are, same, basically. Uh, don't worry about it too much. But if you want to go digging for that, that's there. I get from this deck, I get really big, like, man, remember when the format was just like taken over by the weird token decks that used the black white enchantment hidden stockpile? Yes. And what was the anointed procession? Right. And you just go, I like, I'm, ge- I'm getting those vibes from this deck. It's not quite as hard, but it does a lot of the same stuff and it seems very, very cool to me. Yeah, it's funny too because I, I don't know, it's, it's an otherworldly gaze deck and. I don't even know if Sam did anything with this card. I think he did, but I I just sort of associate that card with him. Yeah. And then obviously the anointed procession thing was all him. So Yeah, this deck does cool stuff, man. This this is another one that is quite exciting. And this is a uh, CFT Sock 3, of course, was the person who popularized the uh the combo deck back in the day, the Goldspan Dragon combo deck that sort of again took over the format for a little while. So someone worth noting. And on the same results. And on the same team as Aria. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. So that team in particular doing work in this standard challenge. All right. So one one last deck from the standard league that I want to highlight. I don't oh know Lord. if you went through these decks if you saw this. No, I, I have not seen any of these, so this is exciting for okay, me. Okay, so this is this is from Alarmobot. Twenty-four land, lot of triumphs. Okay. Yeah. So we have some Leyline bindings, of course. We have some mulches, four copies of mulch, three soul of wind grace, which I mean, I, I like I like that you're like doing land stuff. It's awkward that mulch doesn't put lands in the graveyard, but it could give you a bunch of stuff to like discard to wind grace and bring back. Right. Yeah. Fable of the mirror breaker. So, you know, whatever, maybe mulch draws you a bunch of cards to discard. Maybe unlikely with only 24 land, but whatever. Teachings of the Kieran is back. That's also here. Okay. Cards a banger, apparently. Uh, Weather Seed Treaty. You know this one? No. This. The, oh, this is. Uh, this is from the new set. You search a land. Yeah. So two yep. G read ahead. First one is uh, rampant growth. Second one is make a one one. Third thing is pump some stuff. Right. Yep. Has some commie wars because we're doing domain stuff. We have all the colors, right? Ooh, that is okay. And then the reason for the teachings of the Kieran and the Weathersea Treaty making the random one ones are four copies of Spirit Sisters Call. I guarantee you, you worked no on this chance. set. I guarantee you have no idea what this does. Nope. Nope. You're going to have to read it to me. Uh, three dub B enchantment. At the beginning, oh, this is mythic. At the beginning of your end step, choose target permanent card in your graveyard. You may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with the chosen card. If you do, Return the chosen card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it gains if this permanent would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. There's also uh, four mm. Titan Industries. So you're either sacking the tokens to get back like Titans or Soul of Wing Graces, or you're sacking, you know, the enchantments. Uh, the, yeah, the enchantments themselves to get back like Combi Wars and stuff. I I do remember this card now. There is a card in this deck. Well, I guess there's not too many options. This isn't going to be a very fun game. 
there's a card in this deck that I strongly advised nerfing, uh, and and it did get nerfed. Is it Blossom Prancer? No, it is not Blossom. Because <laughs> there's one of those. There is there's one of those, and I think that card is fine, and it couldn't. Oh com- uh, yeah, Kami War used to just be five mana, right? Yeah, I think that was I think that was the change I suggested. Was it was very very scary. Like it all goes back to this just being like a really really card intense mechanic like the the saga mechanic and the transforming saga is just creating so much cardboard and it was very easy to envision i was just like if there's a lot of good lands and this card is very easy to play this seems like it should always be the default end game like it's just such a powerful powerful tool to play in mid-range mirrors and you generate so much advantage from it and it, it was just five when it started and yeah you uh, you kill a thing outright you recoil a thing and then you get a six six that also does stuff. And then there's it's random. Huge. You get random recursion aspects. So like, there are a lot of knobs, right? But five mana, especially if you're playing a five color deck, it's not that uncommon for you to have like ramped into this thing, right? So yeah. it's just it's like look what, look what Omnath did at, at four colors. Like the four colors right. didn't matter. Yeah. It was just completely irrelevant. So I'm like, is this card Omnath if it costs five? And you know that's a very very high bar, but. I, th- I think the card is just extremely innately powerful and it's slow, but if that's what the format is about and it's not a super aggressive format and you do have time to get to this end game, uh, this card is quite scary. And I- I'm happy to see, because like, I think when you m- move a card like that, you're not trying to obliterate, like you want the card to still matter, right? Like you want it to still be interesting to still yeah. entice people. You just don't want it to be the only way you can possibly play end games. And this deck exa- existing tells me like it's actually right in that spot. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. Yeah, it is weird. Where I don't know. It's 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 Wooberg, right? And then you add the generic mana to it, and it's like, all right, I guess it's like one of each kind of, but it just looks so much cleaner without the one. It you does. know what I mean? It does. It's it's always a constant trade off between making like the most pristine, clean, beautiful card and yeah. making the card that people don't hate and you don't have to face every single time you play standard. So Yeah, and, and this card at six has still seen some amount of play. Like it is yep. it is doing right now. You know, is it ever gonna be the the best thing to be doing in the format? I don't know, but like also is that a place where you want to be? I, I think that this at six makes it so you have to think like really hard about yep. whether or not you want to do it. But now, which I have, love, like that—that's right. the most exciting card to me. Is the one that, like, you have to—you have to fight for it. It's not just there; it's not just clearly the best thing. So, really pleased with where this card landed for sure. Yeah, and you have all the triomes. So the you know your man is a little clunky, but it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. And now you have leyline binding, which gives you a little bit of an extra incentive to do this mm-hmm. thing. And then I—I I don't know. Spirit Sister's Call is powerful, but. I don't know if that's the best way to go about doing this thing, but regardless, it's really cool. And it is cool that the enchantments also make one ones that you could use to like either sack to get Titan of industry or get the Kami war. So this, Um, this deck is I'm so glad you found this deck. This is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's just a a brilliant deck, man. And five, I don't know. I mean, does that, does that mean anything? Uh, Is, is there still a lot of wind trading going on? I don't know, but Uh, this deck looks powerful to me. I mean, certainly consistency issues and you know, it, it is slow. Uh, it takes a while to get going, but if the format is slow, once this gets going, it again we keep coming back to like those huge end games. This is about as big as you can get, I think. So yeah, it looks good to me. So I've been playing standard. I've been enjoying it. 
uh i am you know filthy spikes so like playing with a lot of the black decks and black cards and trying to figure out like the best version of that stuff and trying to figure out how to beat mirrors but i'm also interested in trying to figure out how to beat those decks with you know things like a mid-range mono white deck or whatever whether that's like with a splash or two splashes or whatever so you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if that's interesting to folks or not, but... Uh, I, I find this standard format super interesting. I mean, I think it's why we keep coming back to it, where I don't know if anyone actually like cares that much. I, I am sure that the majority of focus is in other places, but in terms of like interesting developments and a metagame churning a little bit and weird stuff coming from out of nowhere, like, not to harp on this point again, but it makes me feel the way magic used to feel where this stuff was just a constant thing that was going on and it was worth keeping track of on a week-to-week basis i think it is working in standard right now and there's things that could be better about it but on the whole format's successful i think it's doing what it's supposed to be doing yeah rcqs will start back up soon i'm sure the majority of them will be modern pioneer again there will be the uh, rc in atlanta i'm not sure globally what the schedule is for the rest of the rcs but we should probably pay attention to that yeah. But regardless, I feel like we'll, we'll be talking about Modern and Pioneer a little bit more going forward. For sure. Uh, you know, kind of giving some time to those formats, let them pick up new pieces, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't, and then uh, should be ready for us to check in on pretty soon. Game. Game. Good luck.